Hello, and welcome to the Overbooked Podcast, a podcast for stories. To say I'm excited to finally start this is a total understatement. It has been the funnest process so far, and I honestly cannot wait to start connecting with more people about the books that I will be covering. Obviously, by now, you all know that this first episode will be about Verity by Colleen Hoover. In the future, you will know about the book one to two weeks in advance so that you can read, reread, or just get ready for the episode if you don't want to read it as well. And that's something that's very important to me with starting this podcast, people remembering that this is for anyone and everyone. You do not need to have read the book for this to be fun, informative, or just a good time. That being said, episode number two will be The Paris Apartment by Lucy Foley. And episode number three will be The Maid by Nita Prose. Anything Lucy Foley is going to be a good time. Honestly, it's going to be so good. And I love The Paris Apartment. And the setting is just so incredible. And then we have The Maid, which is a feel-good murder mystery. That's really hard to pull off. And let me tell you, it is a really awesome feel-good. If you want to listen or read, maybe you're not like a big reader and you just like to listen to these stories. This is one that I would hands down recommend that you listen to or read at some point. Um, It's just beautifully written and I loved it so, so much. Plus the casting I have for that one is just chef's kiss. Remember to check my Instagram at over.bookedpodcast to see the vision board for Verity. It will have, you know, the characters, the setting, all of that. So make sure to check it out before we dive into this. Now let's go ahead and dive into Verity by Colleen Hoover. We have three major players in this book. We have Lowen, Jeremy, and then Verity herself. Lowen I cast as Leighton Meester. That might seem weird and that's because it is and that's totally okay. I recently found a TV show called Single Parents and Leighton Meester is in it. She is so much more than I thought she was. Honestly, I don't think I've given her enough credit in the past. She has serious range, that girl does. So she was just kind of fresh in my mind when I went to go reread this book. And I honestly am like the biggest Leighton Meester fan out of nowhere. Um, Single Parents was canceled after two seasons. Uh, Another two shows that I love that were canceled too early was Prodigal Son and Bless This Mess. If you need some TV show recommendations, those are all so good. So I cast Leighton Meester. Some context around Lowen is she is a writer. Uh, Before she, this book starts, like the opening scene, about a week and a half prior to this, her mother passed away. Lowen basically put her life on hold to take care of her dying mother, who she didn't have a good relationship with. But her mother let her know, don't worry, I've left a little nest egg for you, so you will be fine. Lowen has an eviction notice in her apartment. She spent all her money on her mom. Her mom finally passes away, and turns out her mom left her nothing. Wow. What a bad mom move. So that's just a little bit about Lowen. The next character, Jeremy, I cast as Ryan Reynolds. Honestly, just because I could. It just felt right. I don't know. I feel like Ryan Reynolds brings like this really good humor to all his roles, whether it's been asked for or not. He just like almost can't help it. And I think that Verity would need that more than like any other book or movie if it was ever turned into a movie like ever it really needs that humor because man this book is dark and if you can cast ryan reynolds why not just cast ryan reynolds he is a devoted husband and father he truly wants what's best for his children and his sick wife he has a five-year-old son named crew 
And then he had twin daughters, which were named Harper and Chaston, and they had just died a few months previously in separate incidences. Yeah, not great. He also used to work in real estate, but like doesn't work. I don't really know what he does on a day-to-day basis. Doesn't really talk about it much. Lastly, we have Verity, who I cast as Rosamund Pike. Rosamund Pike. She plays Amazing Amy in Gone Girl. I honestly think that was a perfect casting. That being said, I still cannot wait to see what other people would cast. Leave your comments on the Instagram. If I miss like a major opportunity, let me know. I'd love to know what it is. But man, she's just like so creepy. And I feel like Verity has that exact same energy. I actually saw someone on TikTok um, say that she should be cast for her in the movie like months ago. And I tried finding this TikTok and could not for the life of me to put them in my references because that's who I actually got the idea from was just some random creator on TikTok. Um, a little bit about Verity is she was in a car crash a few months prior that put her into a coma, but now she is just unable to move or talk. So she just doesn't really have a great quality of life anymore. She, before the accident, was an insanely successful writer and also truly one of the most effed up people on planet Earth. The setting that I have cast kind of described for me an old Victorian home in Vermont with a small lake in the backyard. And honestly, I think the inspo pictures I selected for this are so good. I don't I don't care what happens in those homes. This could have all happened in a real life home in Vermont and I would still move to the freaking house that I chose because it is so beautiful. Wouldn't even bother me. I'd walk right in, unpack my stuff. Stunning. But then I think about Vermont winters and I'm like, mm, perhaps not. So I'm going to start diving into the plot. I'm going to kind of break halfway through and then dive into the details of the manuscript and then go back up to the plot. For those who haven't read the book, a manuscript is kind of like the second story that's happening at the same time. And it is a autobiography that Verity wrote that Lowen stumbles upon. Plot wise, the opening scene Lowen is standing on a street corner and becomes just splattered in blood. She is shocked to realize that someone had just been ran over right in front of her, and she is in complete shock. A very kind stranger, 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 <laughs> Jeremy, pulls her aside into a nearby restroom and helps her get cleaned up. He quite literally gives her the shirt off of his back, and she just thanks him, and they kind of just like go on from that. She's actually on her way to her publisher, which is very rare for her. She doesn't go in very often. She is a writer, but not a successful one. So they don't really like need to meet with her too often. So she thinks it could be some chance to make some money before she gets evicted out of her apartment. So she goes to the building, walks into the meeting room. And of course, the meeting is with Jeremy. Comes to find out Jeremy's wife is the famous Verity. Um, she has a very successful book series called The Noble Virtues, and she is in a contract to write nine books, but has only written six of them. And Jeremy said that Verity was a huge fan of Lowen, and she would he would like her to finish the last three, which are courage, truth, and honor. She's actually like not stoked about this idea at first and wants to say no, and it kind of does. But then Jeremy is like, they're actually lowballing you. I'll pay you like $500,000 if you do it. And then she's like, okay, I'm so poor. I'm going to do this, obviously. Like, she's not going to say no. 
Um, Jeremy invites her up to Vermont to go through Verity's office for a few days to see where she left off on her writing, collect all of her notes. She can take back whatever she needs to the city to write the books to her to the best of her ability. On the drive up there, she listens to one of the books and realizes how good Verity is and becomes incredibly intimidated. She'd actually never listened to or read any of her work before. She has this two-week gap between going to Jeremy's place in Vermont and moving into her new apartment in New York. So she's kind of hoping that she can find some sort of some sort of hotel nearby, even though she really can't afford it. But she's just going to figure it out as she goes. But early on in this process, the new apartment sees that she had an eviction. And no matter what she can offer them, they can't in good conscience let her move in. Jeremy and her work out a situation. She's actually going to stay there for like the two weeks until she figures some things out. So she's got room and board for a minute. <laughs> she actually is staying in their old master bedroom on the main floor, which is really weird. But Jeremy and Verity are now upstairs. It's just like more capable for like kind of like an in-home hospital suite. And one of the first things she notices in the main bedroom is that the freaking headboard has a ton of bite marks in it. Isn't that so uncomfortable? I would be like, no, I actually am not going to stay here. You guys are weird. I'm leaving. Anyways, she doesn't. She stays. She is going through Verity's office the very first day when she stumbles upon this manuscript, aka Verity's autobiography. And she can't help herself. She starts reading. And honestly, who wouldn't? Let's be real here. And she learns about the time that Verity and Jeremy met for the very first time. And it is pretty darn adorable. I'm not going to lie. Later that night, Lowen meets one of Verity's in-home nurses named April, and April already doesn't like Lowen, especially her age and how good-looking she is. That night, later on, the whole family's hanging out in the backyard. Jeremy and crew are, like, off in the distance, and Lowen's hanging out on the porch when April comes down to say that she's leaving for the night. A little while after that, Lowen sees crew wave to his mom in the window while he's outside playing. But the blinds close right when Verity, like, right, sorry, right when Lowen looks up, the blinds close when Verity should be in bed. And she knows that she's alone in that room. So Lowen now is freaked out and at this point starts to become suspicious of Verity. Lowen had also just read the part of the manuscript where Verity tries to end her pregnancy with her twins without anyone's knowledge. I will dive into that later. Don't worry, I'm not going to leave you hanging. Throughout the next few days, Lowen and Jeremy start to connect, and it's really, really hard to deny their chemistry. Like, they get along so well. And Lowen's not really holding back. Like, she knows, like, it's adultery, but she's like, man, I don't really care. Like, I like this guy. It's whatever. And she doesn't really feel bad about it at all, which we don't really dive into, and I'm not going to because it's kind of like a weird situation when it comes to being the spouse of someone who's gone through a horrific, you know, accident. And... I have like no context or opinion that I can really add to that. So I'm not going to dive into that a whole lot. Um, Jeremy lets Lowen know that Verity is actually not a huge fan of her work. That it's him, himself, who loves Lowen's work, which is a huge compliment to her. Like honestly, I feel like writing or like singing in like an instrument is such like a vulnerable talent and hobby to have. And if someone doesn't like it, it feels very personal. 
whether like you score a goal or not, it's like not as like personal to you, more like your ability to play soccer, but like writing encompasses everything about you. No hate to athletes at all. I'm not athletic. I'm not creative either. I'm really neither. I envy both, but I feel like there's something so much more personal about it. And she just is like in love with him from that point on, knowing that he is a fan of her work. Jeremy and Lowen finally kiss, but as soon as things start to get hot and heavy, Lowen decides to open her eyes for some weird reason and sees Verity standing at the top of the freaking stairs. She freaks out immediately. And then Jer- Jeremy gets freaked out by her reaction. He runs upstairs and is like, Lowen, Verity is safe and sound in her bedroom. I don't know what you were seeing, but that's not what happened whatsoever. After this, Lowen decides she wants to confront Verity. Verity is alone in the wheel- in her wheelchair in the family room because sometimes her nurses like to bring her down just so she can be around the family, even though she's like not participating, think it might be good for her, which I think is a great idea. And she finds herself alone in this room with Verity. And she goes up to Verity and tells her that she thinks she is a horrible person and that she is going to screw her husband in her bed. And then Verity freaking wets herself. Honestly, baller move by Verity. Once you've read more of the manuscript, which we'll get to, you'll agree that she is a horrible person. Would I say that to someone who is faking it or maybe not faking it? Probably not. But also it's hilarious because she's like, I'm going to sleep with your husband. And then Verity wets herself and was like, cool, he's going to strip me naked and bathe me now, which is probably not the flex she thinks it is. Um, But still, I think it's like baller move based on what she can do without giving herself away if she is faking it. So I thought that was kind of funny. Lowen and Jeremy finally get together together. That's all I'm going to say. This book is full of so much more smut than I remember. And not my fave kind, too. It was kind of weird. I didn't like that. When they wake up the next day, the door has been locked from the outside. A.K.A. Verity has locked them in. Lowen is a sleepwalker who needs to have her door locked when she's sleeping so that she doesn't hurt herself or others. She actually jumped off a ledge when she was younger while sleepwalking, and it was recorded. And she jumps down, breaks her wrist, and just stands up like nothing has even happened. And once her mom saw that, her mom was, like, truly disturbed and then afraid of Lowen from then on, which is what created their really, like, bad relationship, which is really not cool of her mom. Anyways, she has to lock herself in every single night so that no harm comes upon anyone. Um, Lowen thinks Verity locked them in and then took crew and freaks Jeremy out by saying this to the point where he shatters a window, crawls out, only to find Verity and crew safe and sound in bed. Okay, I'm going to break for the manuscript and also apologize if you can hear my dog. He's a French bulldog. He snores and makes weird noises. So if you can hear it, I'm very sorry. But he's a part of the podcast and he's got to be here or he has separation anxiety so the manuscript the autobiography starts with verity explaining that people shouldn't like the writers of the autobiographies because if they're honest and true they shouldn't and she is honest and true in that statement she details how her and jeremy met and how she wrote her first book when he was traveling a lot uh the night he comes back she's like hey i wrote a book and he basically just grabs it runs into the bathroom reads it while she's banging on the door being like hey please don't like i'm not comfortable with you reading it like i don't like this 
And I thought that was a huge violation, honestly. He reads the whole thing. He comes out and is like, you're a genius. This is amazing. That night, they get engaged and they also conceive. This is the point when Verity tells us that the rest of this autobiography is going to get very, very dark. And man, does it ever. Comes to find out Verity is a health nut who deprives herself of all good foods so she can be hot and skinny. She also works out twice a day. She refers to her body as a machine. And she tries to plan on somehow giving birth at 30 to 32 weeks so that the baby doesn't ruin her body and vows to start working out three times a day when she notices her little baby bump. Yeah, pretty cool. She then tries to miscarry her twins. At this point, she's having two. Oh, my goodness. And I'm not going to be going into detail about that. Um, But you should just know in the way she does it, the attempt does leave a scar on one of the twins' foreheads. There's Harper and Chaston. And when they come out of the womb and Chaston has a scar, she decides to give her that name because she thinks it's the better one. She feels that this first pregnancy has stolen Jeremy away from her because Jeremy has just fallen in love with their, at the time it's baby, but or babies, but he thinks it's just a baby. And she doesn't like how attached she is to their child already, which is so freaking weird. <laughs> but she's a true narcissistic psychopath. So it really does make sense, but it's just really hard to put yourself in that mindset when like that's all a girl wants is for like her to become pregnant and for the dad to be stoked out of his freaking mind. Um, a few months later, Verity has a dream where Harper kills Chaston like in the future. And she thinks it's a sign that Chaston will have a shorter life and that she needs to love her while she can and that Harper will be the one to kill her. She then finally feels the first little bit of, I guess, maternal instinct in the weirdest possible way. Um, but at that point, she like, decides she needs to hold Chaston and right then she hears a baby cry she walks into the nursery it's not Chaston who's crying it's Harper and she tries to kill Harper I'm not going to go into detail it's going to circle back you'll figure it out later but I don't really want to say it in this context it just feels too dark um when she gets back from the room after unsuccessfully killing Harper she realizes that the baby monitor camera has been on and that there is a chance that Jeremy saw her do all of this she then goes on to manipulate Jeremy like every single dang day of their lives. At some point when the girls are a little bit older, they get into a fight about how Verity is like obsessed with Chaston and like doesn't nurture Harper the way she should, give her the attention. She then goes on to say some weird things about, well, the teacher said we should get her tested for Asperger's. By the way, you should feel bad because I'm pregnant. And he's like, oh my gosh. I do feel so bad. I can't believe I made you feel that way. You were just actually looking out for her daughters this whole time. She's not pregnant. She somehow gets herself pregnant two weeks later, which, man, if it was as easy as that, that'd be awesome. Um, anyway, she manipulates him in that situation and then gets pregnant with Crew. Um, at this point, Crew is born and they have a full-time nanny, which really doesn't make sense to me because once again... Jeremy doesn't have a job. Like, what's he doing all the time? I really don't get it. Months later, actually it would have been years later, because Crew's five at this point in time. The twins attend a sleepover, and the next morning, Jeremy gets a phone call uh, letting him know that Chaston has passed away. After the autopsy, it's revealed that she died of anaphylactic shock, and Verity, right off the bat, thinks that Harper killed Chaston with her peanut allergy. The mom let them know the girls snuck out at night to grab some snacks and that she probably just ate something she shouldn't have, but Verity is convinced that it was Harper who did it. 
Like, poor Harper. This girl never freaking stood a chance to, like, have her mother love her. A few months later, Verity is still frustrated how depressed Jeremy is over the loss of Chaston. Like, she's like, why haven't you got over this yet? Like, I don't get it. Maybe we should just become a family of three. Yeah, let's do that. I'm just going to kill Harper, and then it'll be me, Jeremy, and crew. Great idea. So that afternoon, she gets out the canoe and is like, crew Harper, let's go for a little ride. And she's about to chip the canoe to get Harper to drown because Harper cannot swim when she whispers in Crew's ear, hold your breath. At that point, she tips over the canoe, swims Crew to the ledge. Crew freaks out, yelling at his mom. Harper can't swim. So she goes back to see if Harper somehow not, you know, getting air under their tipped canoe or whatever. But she actually doesn't find Harper. Jeremy had left or kind of lost a fishing net in that lake a few months prior and unfortunately Harper got tangled in it and she does pass away. That night they decide to sleep as a family of three in the bed when Jeremy asks Verity why she told Crew to hold his breath and at that moment she knows she's been caught. It's over. She decides that if things don't get back to normal and if she can't convince Jeremy she did it as they were tipping she is going to drive her car into a tree. If you remember that's how she got in her accident. So what her accident was that left her unable to move or speak. So that's the entirety of the manuscript. I'm going to jump back up to the plot now. Scroll, scroll. Okay, after reading the part of the manuscript where Verity admits to killing Harper, Verity decides not to tell Jeremy about it, thinking he probably won't be able to handle it, which kind of makes sense. It's really dark. She's like, you should just put Verity, you know, in hospice every you know every other weekend she can come home or something so that so that crew can still see his mom and you deserve to have a life and all that kind of stuff um and he actually agrees to it and there's no way that verity does not know about this verity decides to ask crew about the accident on you know on the lake and crew says mommy said i shouldn't talk to you if you ask questions about her implying that crew talks to verity still he then cuts himself in the mouth. He bites down on the butter knife that he had making his sandwich to basically get out of the conversation. Super, super weird. While Jeremy takes crew to get stitches, Lowen sets up the baby monitor in Verity's room, and Verity for sure doesn't notice her put this baby monitor in. Lowen goes to finish the manuscript where Verity says she is going to drive herself into a tree. She knows at this point that Jeremy has at least somewhat suspected that Verity killed Harper. So oh, there's a little bit of doubt there, and, and Lowen knows this now. Later on, Lowen is working in Verity's office when she sees on the baby monitor that Verity is on the ground on her hands and knees. She looks at the monitor, tilts her head to the side, and then she crawls back into the bed. Ugh, why did that feel like so demonic when I read that? Like conjuring weird stuff i don't like it not good lowen runs up to verity's room to confront her and just starts screaming like honestly screaming at her to stop faking it jeremy yanks her out of the room and starts packing up her things and she starts to tell him i can prove to you that harper was killed by verity and then she hands him the freaking manuscript that's right jeremy takes the manuscript into the next room and she can hear him just sobbing while he reads it and then she hears him run upstairs. Jeremy goes into Verity's room to confront her, and she opens her eyes in response. She then starts to say that she had to do it and that she can explain. But before she can say anything else, he starts to choke her. 
Lowen runs up and she tries to pull Jeremy off of her because at this point, Verity's totally passed out. She finally gets him to stop choking her by reminding him that Crew won't have a father if he kills Verity. Ugh, dark. Okay, at this point, he's off of Verity. He's not choking her. And, but Lowen tells him that they still need to kill Verity and they should do it in the way that she tried to kill Harper. He gets her to throw up and then gets her to choke on her own vomit and die. They then come up with a story of the death and promise to never speak of it ever again. There's then a time jump to seven months later. Lowen has finished the first book in the contract and reveals that she is pregnant with a little girl. Lowen and Jeremy are still together and very happy and Crew is doing incredibly well. Thank goodness, as I think that's the only person I care about. How can Crew be a normal kid or human being ever again? They decide to sell the home in Vermont and buy a home in South Carolina. But on this last weekend, they have to go up to Vermont just to collect a few more things. When Lowen finds this little, like, nook under a floorboard where Crew would hide his things and finds a letter addressed to Jeremy. And it's from Verity. She tells Jeremy that she's planning to take Crew in the middle of the night. She recalls when her editor recommended antagonistic journaling to help her make her writing darker. It will help her get into the mind of her characters and write things that really happened to her, but in the opposite mindset than she was actually in. I don't know if I mentioned it, but her book series is very different in the fact that it's all written from the murderer's point of view. And her editor thinks it's going to help her like, get into that mindset a little bit better. And Jeremy is here for this dinner, but she says that Jeremy was reading on his phone throughout the whole conversation and how annoyed she was with him at the time. She then also reveals that Jeremy had already read the manuscript. He had read it on her laptop and then grabbed her by the throat and dragged her into their room and tried to choke her. She passed out and does not remember anything until she woke up in the car. Her body was bound. She wasn't wearing a seatbelt. The airbag was turned off and he drew up the car into a tree. She admits that she faked being injured all along, and she tells him that she is going to leave in the night with Crew to protect him, and that Crew also knows that she's faking it. The first night she came home, she said the manuscript had been deleted from the computer, but wasn't sure where the printed one was. She also wasn't sure how to get money for her and Crew until she heard of the new book deal, opened a new account for the money to go into, and then just went back to pretending all of that. Once the money is in, she's going to take crew and leave. Once Lowen found the manuscript, she started to get really antsy, though. She was like, wow, this is kind of speeding up my timeline a little bit. She then says it was her who locked them in the bedroom that night so she could write this letter in silence. She then tells Jeremy she loves him, that she never harmed any of their children, and then she ends the letter. Lowen basically has a meltdown over the possibility that they got it all wrong. She then recalls that Jeremy said, where did you find this? And not, what is this? When she gave him the manuscript. She then destroys the letter by eating it and flushing it down the toilet, which is a weird but effective combo. She knows Jeremy can never handle thinking he may have killed his innocent wife. So basically the hottest topic here is, what is the lie, the manuscript of the letter? And here's my take on it. I think that the letter was not meant for Jeremy. It was found in that little nook that Crew hid his stuff in. And I think that Crew was supposed to give it to Lowen to make her doubt Jeremy so that she would leave him and Verity could have him back to herself. Or he was supposed to give it to April or anyone in law enforcement so that Jeremy be put away kind of as a punishment for not loving her the way that he should have. I think that the letter could be true with the parts of what Jeremy did to Verity 
but not true in the parts of antagonistic journaling. Like, come on. I mean, like, really, come on. That's just so dumb to me. But I think that Jeremy could have tried to kill her before. I think that could totally be true. But I really don't think that letter was meant for Jeremy. I think it was just supposed to create doubt for Lowen or for April to do something about Jeremy or for law enforcement. That's my thought. I guess all my thoughts on that. My best moments of this book were probably the opening hooked me right away. I love how Lowen always joked about how her life could be worse because she could still be dating or married to Amos. Amos? Amos? Probably Amos. Um, the weirdo who like needed to, I'm not actually going to state that part. It was a really weird fact, but she always thinks my life could be worse. I could be with him, which I think is hilarious. And I'll never get over how Jeremy and Verity met. I thought it was like so freaking cute, like really cute. The worst moment was the bite marks on the bed. I mentioned that Lowen saw them, but when her and Jeremy get together together for the first time, she decides to bite them. That's right. She bites them. The fact that Jeremy didn't stop everything at that very moment is astounding, but the fact that she did it in the first place is also really weird. Uh, one odd detail was the very first night she's there, Jeremy's like, hey, I made dinner. We're having pizza. And in her mind, she's like, oh, I hate pizza. I'm like, what? You might not like prefer it, but like the fact that you hate pizza, I just thought that was really weird. Overall, I gave this book a 9 out of 10. I thought it was really fun. I think whether you gave it a 1 out of 10 or a 10 out of 10, this book's read, sorry, this Goodreads book review uh, applies to any rating that you gave it. And this review says, some people desperately need Jesus and Colin Hoover is one of them. Man, truer words have never been spoken. This person gave it a one out of five. If it had a five out of five, it would still be applicable. And I think that's just beautiful, honestly. I think it's great. I am so happy that I chose Verity for this very first episode. I thought it was such a fun book to reread. I had the funnest time. I actually decided to listen to it this time. And the narrator was so, so good. So if you like listening to books, this was a really good one. As a reminder, the next episode will be The Paris Apartment, and episode number three will be The Maid, both amazing books. Thank you so much for tuning in to episode one, and I hope I see you next week as well.